Bumpy the Wonder Pony and Friends All-Star Holiday Gala Special will not be heard tonight, so we may bring you the following special. Warning, spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Welcome, my friends, to the show that never ends, except when it's over. Then it ends. Until it starts again, like this new series is starting. This new series is called Drawn Apart, and herein, forthwith, quid pro quo e pluribus unum, we will be discussing movies that blend live action and animation. Now, we're not talking about movies that have short animated sequences like Jerry the Mouse dancing with Gene Kelly in Anchors Away, or the animated cat in Last Action Hero who's in two scenes or even the supercalifragilistic number from the original Mary Poppins. No, we're talking about movies where major animated characters interact with major live characters, and the differences are actually integrated into the plot. <laughs> you said interact. <laughs> <sighs> here, here, play with something shiny. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> Naturally, your first thought is, who framed Roger Rabbit? My first thought is actually, did I leave the gas on? <laughs> I can't help it, I'm old. <laughs> and yes, that is a fine example and one that we will be dealing with at the end. But there are quite a few others, and we'll be dealing with a bunch of them in this series. Some we've seen, some we haven't. Some one of us has seen, but the other hasn't. Some one of us has seen, but the other one has only smelled, and so on. <laughs> Should be an interesting trip. Are any of them any good? We'll find out. This week, we're starting with my choice of a movie that tried to play itself off as a sort of R-rated Roger Rabbit, even though it ended up as a PG-13. Without a rabbit. Well, yeah. Oh, no, there's, there's a rabbit. There's yeah, a couple of rabbits. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, not the main character. Ralph Bakshi's Cool World, starring Brad Pitt, Kim Basinger, and Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> With a cast like that, how could it miss? How? Oh, we'll get to that. Oh. And, and when I say we, I am not speaking French. I am speaking to myself, the Coco the Clown of the <laughs> podcast world, Max Levine, and my cohort, co-host in crime, the Yosemite Sam of the podcast world, Mike Luce. I'm rooting, tootin' ready for this show to be over. Concern it. Bang, bang, bang. My biscuits are burning. <laughs> yes, but first, of course, a little business. Business. You, can, you may have found this this uh, podcast on our website, and if not, why the heck not? Because all of our podcasts are there. The our entire library stretching back literally weeks, <laughs> actually almost two years. Yeah, can be found at maxmikemovies.com. Mm. Also on social media, Facebook and Twitter as Max Mike Movies. You can listen to us on the podcast app of your choice, the Google Podcast app or the iTunes Podcast app, and you can find us on Spotify. You can also contact us directly via email. That's right. Send us your filthy, filthy thoughts. <laughs> at us. You're asking for it. <laughs> yep, I am. I dissed ya. I double dissed ya. <laughs> us at MaxMikeMovies.com. Hey, I'm on social media as Bumpy the Wonder Pony. <laughs> Told you not to bring up that an alcoholic, <laughs> egomaniacal equine ever again. You're just jealous. 
not jealous. I could have had the part in National Velvet if I wanted it. <laughs> yeah, well, half the part, if you know where I, what I mean. Looks some like number two have, from where I'm sitting. <laughs> some of us have principles, okay? <laughs> However, we have a lot. Well, actually, there is a surprising lack of trivia about this movie, given how trivial it kind of is. Hey, before but you get there, started on that, can I just say one thing? No. So we... What? <laughs> the show. Actually, I just wanted to pause so I can make the edit easier. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Please, go ahead. <laughs> this was directed by, as I say, Ralph Bakshi, one of the major names in animation. We already discussed him a while back about his movie Wizards, back in our In Search of D&D series. Available now. <laughs> The uh, movie's budget was $30 million. Oh, boy. Which I assume mostly went for the three big names. And it took in $14 million. Whoopsie. Mm. Uh, Kim Basinger that year was, was up for two different awards. Uh-oh. One was for, for this movie, M- the MTV Movie Award nominee for Most Desirable Female. She was. This was also the year she was nominated for the Razzie as worst actress in the film Final Analysis. Oh, I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a reason. Ah, uh, this film was originally pitched as sort of a this Bakshi's idea was was an idea of a kind of live action animated horror film about an underground cartoonist who fathers an illegitimate half real half cartoon daughter who hates herself for what she is and tries to kill her parents. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, during Bakshi's original screenplay was rewritten by Frank Mancuso Jr., not yeah. the legendary Frank Mancuso, in collaboration with Michael Grace and Mark Victor to change it from an R film to a PG-13 per studio directive. Reviews actually praised the film's visuals, soundtrack, and mostly the animation, but criticized the story and characters as well as the combination of live action and animation, which they some people felt was unconvincing. What story? Uh, <laughs> the film's animators were never given a screenplay and were simply nope. told by Bakshi, do a scene that's funny, whatever you want to do. <laughs> uh, there is some artwork. One of the characters, played by Gabriel Byrne, is Jack Deebs, who's supposed to be a big deal underground comic artist. Just ask him. Uh, his stuff was actually drawn by the underground comics artist Spain Rodriguez. Now, Mike knows more about uh, this sort of thing than I do. Have you ever heard of him? Sure. In really? fact, oh. there's one point. Yep, there's one point where they're holding up the true-to-life actual issue of Cool World Comics, which of course never existed. And on the back, there's an ad for a comic called Trash Man Lives, which I have in my notes. It's like, hey, I think that was done by Spain Rodriguez. I looked in the credits, and sure enough, he was one of the background yeah. artists as well. That's, so, that's, uh, as of t- as of today, as of 2020, this has been Bakshi's last movie. Yep. He keeps saying he'll return to uh, filmmaking soon, but mainly he's really annoyed that every major animated film being made is being made with computer animation. He does. He really hates that stuff. Now, he has done a fair amount of TV, or shorts and videos, but he has not done a single movie since this one. Uh, Bakshi was almost fired and sued by Frank Mancuso Jr. for punching Mr. Mancuso in the <laughs> nose after he told him the film was being changed. 
Yeah. Ralph's got a bit of a temper on him. Well, from what I understand, because I read an article about this too, apparently uh, Bakshi really could have been in line to punch Mr. Mancuso Jr. in the face because apparently he was not well-liked on the set or even on the studio because possibly he was the boss's son. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he was not apparently a liked person. So, uh, In contention for the role of Hollywood was yes it was played by kim basinger was but there we're was both contention there was uh, originally back she wanted drew barrymore and uh after that tracy lords oh god okay. yes who for those of you who don't know <laughs> tracy lords is an actress who got her start in um uh oh hell just say it porn <laughs> yeah oh, originally in the original script by the way the character of hollywood was named debbie dallas Ah, After the porn film, Debbie Does Dallas, yeah. The character of Nails the Spider, who is uh, Brad Pitt's sidekick, is borrowed from Bakshi's own Christmas in Tattertown character, Sidney the Spider. The same voice actor, Charlie Adler, does the voice in both uh, sets. Uh, In the press release for the film, the studio tried to sell the movie both as a down-and-dirty Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which came out four years earlier, and as a technical achievement in creating a multiplane effect using live action and animation. These claims are a tad foolhardy, as Roger's adult situation better served its plot, and Roger had scores of technical breakthroughs in its attempt to seamlessly combine live action and animation, techniques that very clearly Cool World does not use. Oh, and in terms of casting, Ralph Bakshi's first choice for Jack Deebs was Willem Dafoe, who, let's face it, does look kind of like a cartoon character. Uh, despite the fact that the movie did not do well, its soundtrack gained critical acclaim and popularity. The soundtrack has a lot of electronic dance and rock songs by David Bowie, Moby, Neil Tennant, and Mark Isham, the film's composer. Bowie recorded It's a Real Cool World exclusively for this movie. Also, in the few scenes where she, where there is singing by Hollywood, that is Kim Basinger doing the singing. Actually, it's a very nice voice. Uh, during a meeting mid-production, Kim Basinger told Ralph Bakshi and Frank Mancuso Jr. that this would be a this would be wonderful if she could show this movie to sick children in hospitals. Bakshi replied, "Kim, I think that's wonderful, but you've got the wrong guy to do that with. Why didn't Have you she tell read me read the script? I don't know. Why didn't you tell me that on the way in? How are you telling me that halfway through the picture?" Mancuso thought, still thought it was a great idea. I don't think it actually happened, which is, you know, near miss for the children. Now, that's pretty much uh, all of the trivia that, that was, of, to me, any interest. Did you have anything uh, you found? No, I didn't go looking. It's yeah. your week. <laughs> so, the plot. Okay, tighten your shorts, Pilgrim, and hang on to the reins. First off, you need to accept that there is another world separate but connected to ours. Cool world. A world of dark, gritty, vulgar animated characters. Frank Harris, played by Brad Pitt, is a returning World War veteran who, on his first day home, takes his mom for a ride on his new motorcycle, gets in an accident, and watches her die. Real cheery way to start a movie. By a suspension of disbelief shattering coincidence, this happens to be the exact moment that one of the denizens of Cool World opens a portal between the worlds and drags Frank through for some reason. Frank ends up living in Cool World and becoming a hard-boiled, no-nonsense cop with a hot animated girlfriend named Lonnie. Like you do. 
Flash ahead to current day, 1992, and we find Jack Deebs, a famous comic book artist who is serving time for killing his wife's lover. He, ha- he believes he created cool world, cool world and has written it up in comic books, but has in fact been channeling it. It's been around for a long time. Where did it come from? Shut up, that's where. His greatest creation is the two-dimensional, sultry Hollywood, who dreams of becoming a real-life girl and entering the real world. How can she accomplish this? Why by having sex with a Noid? Yes, she has to have sex with the old Domino's pizza mascot. <laughs> no, no. no. Noid is what human, humans are called. Humanoid. Get it? <laughs> it's clever. Trust me. Animated people are called doodles. You heard me. Apparently, due to stuff and reasons, if a doodle has sex with a Noid, the doodle will become human and the world will end. Naturally. That's why Frank and his hot cartoon honey can't get busy, which is rather frustrating for both of them. Especially because if we believe the timeline of this, they've been together for like 50 years. (sighs) Since Frank is wise to Holly's game and is thus immune to her charms, she turns her attention to Jack, bringing him into Cool World, getting him to do the horizontal hoochie-coo with her, and then having them both return to the real world where Holly thinks all her dreams will come true. Hijinks ensue, death happens, but not really, and, well, really just describing the plot could take up the whole show, so let's just leave it there to die quietly. (laughs) The Lowdown. What do you think? I cover it? I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) So where do you want to start, Master of Mystery? Okay, well, first off, let's talk about the visuals. How did you think it worked, the blending of live action and animation, especially given the examples we've seen? And I'm not just talking about Roger Rabbit. It's worked very well in other movies. Again, usually in short (laughs) scenes, you know, things like Mary Poppins. Hell, even the incredible Mr. Limpet. (laughs) Don't say that, because we might get to it. Yeah, we might. I, 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 well, so I, I read uh, a couple of articles. Uh, very quickly, I, I googled. Oh, I used that word. I searched. I'll cut it out. I'll, I'll beep it. <laughs> I searched, what did Ralph Bakshi think of Cool World? And apparently he's come to terms with it. Uh, the big problem was that he wanted to make a film his way, which is what he'd done all his career. He'd, he'd put everything together, put up, ponied up the money or whatever. And this time they hired him to direct this movie. And he found out that the direct, he's, he kept wait, wondering why nobody was listening to the director. Uh. Um, so things were going to be a problem no, no matter what. Uh, apparently they had money for some things, and I'm going to guess it's the cast, because, although to be fair, Brad Pitt's real big breakout role, I think arguably, is Thelma and Louise, yeah. which was only a year before. So he hadn't... He wasn't I rem- Brad Pitt yet. No, and I remember seeing that film and going, who's that? But, you know, we hadn't seen him in anything yet. And this film was probably already in production before that film came out. Uh, So I don't know where the money went, but there's these... One of the things they decide to do is to draw the backgrounds and props like they regularly would and then blow them up and, you know, put them on wood i guess or something so that the actors actually have something to walk around in instead of a green screen set and i kind of both liked the idea and thought it didn't work Um, i I can appreciate that that i noticed that too it in a way 
it gives more of a sense that the actors are present on the set, but it looks wrong. It's well, jarring somehow. It looks like what it is. It is a giant piece of artwork glued on to a piece of wood. And so you can tell the sets themselves are just square. You know, it's it, there's no detail to them. It's just the drawing and the painting. That being said, I liked the drawing and the painting a lot. Uh, Bakshi's got this very gritty, very... I grew up in New York and not the best of times kind of feel, which is actually true. And like things are crazy and the guy loves classic animation, you know, and you can see, you, you can, can see their pick out characters like, oh, that's a Disney character or not, not actually a Disney character, well, but it's like, that's a Disney rabbit. Oh, that's, you know, a Warner Brothers type cartoon. Oh, that's something from the thirties, you know, and so on and so forth. Did you recognize, I saw a couple of things that I would consider sort of cameos. I mean, you got Daffy Duck's face on a building at one point. There's a quick shot of some dancing skeletons from that that was a dance macabre or whatever it was called, that famous old black and white cartoon with the dancing skeletons. Yeah, I can't remember if that's a Betty Boop, but I think it is actually a um, uh, Fleischer Brothers cartoon. Okay. And, uh, I mean, all of those cartoon wolves who just looked like they walked out of a Tex or Avery cartoon? I think that they're homage, which is a nice way, nice way of saying stolen. Um, yep. I mean, let's face it, that little gang that's wandering around, it's like, well, that looks a lot like Baby Herman and is acting a lot like a Baby Herman, and that character is acting like, you know, so-and-so. Yeah. And so there's, I, you know, I had to actually look and see the years because I wasn't sure it's like, which came first, this or Roger Rabbit, because there's a lot of... I don't know, overflow? <laughs> Is that the right way of putting it? Like, the, the character sounds a lot like Lena Hyena. Yeah. Uh, she's one of the, them. And actually, the young, one of the younger, I couldn't say youngest, um, <laughs> mid-sized characters in that group sounds a lot like somebody trying to do their best Eartha Kit. I was going to say, yeah, I was, I, she sounded a lot like Eartha Kit to me. Mm. I know who you mean, the one who keeps dressing up as a bride. Yeah. yeah. She said we could watch. Um, so I... Uh, the pro and the thing is, is that even within the animation, the styles are all over the place. Yeah. So we've got the styles like late 30s, early 40s Warner Brothers cartoons. In other words, the rubber hose stuff where people have very round heads and big eyes um, and their limbs don't really have any sort of bone structure. They're just sort of wiggly all over the place. And then we have other things that are these weird haunted, like hand-drawn 3D images wandering through the set at no particular time or reason. Yeah, and then you have uh, what looked to me like the classic Bakshi characters, the rotoscoped people, and there are only a couple of them, and they're both women. They're Holly and uh, uh, Brad. Sorry, Frank Harris's girlfriend Lonnie. Yeah, to be fair, you get the the rotoscoping stuff which is literally somebody shoots action and then you draw over it um is not like that's not really the big part of his films if you go to watch his films and i've never been able to make it through one of his films sure yeah you watched uh, wizards well except for wizards except for wizards and i have i seen i actually think i've seen lord of the rings all the way through but the the really i'd say the most backshiest of them which would be things like um uh um, not American Pop. Um, oh, I think oh, no, that was he, his. Yeah, that was his. I saw that. I didn't see American Pop, or I, I hate saying the name of this film, Coonskin. Um, and what are the other... I can't think of the other names. Did of them, he do there, Fritz the Cat? Yes, he did. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. That was probably his his biggest moneymaker. This certainly wasn't. Um, he... <sighs> To answer your question as briefly as possible, six minutes later, uh, I don't think that it generally works that well. I think they did the best they could, but we're not looking at 
Amblin Studios level of interaction. Yeah. That was one of my real problems visually is whenever there was any physical contact between the human actors and the animated characters, it looked terrible. It looked there's like, very fake. There's like a black line between yeah. the animated character and the... I, I will give Brad Pitt co- uh, credit, though. I think he does a pretty good job at looking where he's supposed to look, which is often a huge problem. Yeah. No, he does that. I got. I always got the feeling he knew who he was talking to. The, they did a good job of giving the, the appearance that they could see the characters, which is... Which must be really hard for an actor. Yeah, yeah, nothing to react to at all. Yeah. I mean, I assume somebody was doing you know the voice off screen, which they usually do. I know like uh, um, Charlie Fleischer who did Roger Rabbit. Yeah, he actually, actually dressed up in a rabbit costume, didn't he? Yes. Well, he wore the whole thing. He had the red suspenders yeah. and the the goofy shirt and the whole thing, <laughs> and he would stand there and read the lines. And apparently. Like they make it made a big deal. We'll talk about this with Rod Roger yeah. Rabbit. They made a big deal about it that when it came out. But I I kept watching those scenes and like I think he's a little too into this. <laughs> <laughs> um, visually, like the, the especially the backgrounds. I really liked the backgrounds. The city is really twisted, literally in some cases. Yeah. Um, it's very not the usual kind of animated thing you're used to seeing. Um, and then occasionally, like you said, he told the animators, just make something funny. So he went in this middle of this, you know, dramatic scene between Brad Pitt and his, his gr- animated girlfriend. And out of nowhere, these two mice in airplanes will be shooting each other until one of them smacks into the wall. Or mm-hmm. this woman will come running through with a hatchet, go, you know, trying to knock people down. It's, But to be fair, it's kind of like what Toontown should have been. Yeah. It's like, there's no rules here. Nobody can get hurt, so who cares? That's the thing. You have to wonder, why are there cops? I mean, yeah. there's well, a there. we see one other set of cops, these just sort of keystone cop animated figures who are clearly incompetent and don't do anything, but Brad Pitt takes his job really seriously. And well, you have and to wonder, why? Except he does seem to be enforcing the one rule of Cool World, the one real law that matters, which is... Tune, uh, doodles don't have it's hard I keep wanting to call them tunes doodles right. don't have sex with noids we don't know why we're ne- there it's funny for all of the rules they try to establish there is a vast dearth of lack of explanation Just don't tell us anything which is okay because in things in in and I'm sorry this is going to keep happening to compare it with Roger Rabbit but in Roger Rabbit they don't explain and they don't have to. They don't. They just say no. We're not even going to try. The only thing we ever get is yes. There is a way a tune can be destroyed. That's about it. Like I keep wondering, when Brad Pitt touches his girlfriend, what does it feel like? Ink. Yes, he just. <laughs> what? Well, how is that appealing? Oh, honey, you're so two-dimensional. I mean, Holly points out that one of the reasons she wants to become a a, a Pinocchio, wants to become a real live, or Pinocchiette, <laughs> wants to become a real live girl. Is, Thankfully, certain things didn't grow when she lived. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I'm, sure Ralph, I'm sure Ralph wanted to do that. Oh, you know okay. he did. You know yeah. he did. Yeah. Uh, she says that real girls can feel things. When they eat food, they can taste it. When they drink, they can feel something. And when they have sex, they can feel the sensation. Yeah. Yet, that isn't doesn't really come across. You see people eating and drinking. They imply a great deal of sex in this movie. 
Although well, you don't see much. It's, I mean, obviously they brought it down to PG-13. There's most of it, again, is implied or suggested. There's one, or drawn. Or drawn. <laughs> There's one scene where Holly does have sex with Jack. But we think. You, we assume. <laughs> Again, it's you don't see much, which is fine. I, that, yeah. I don't need to see Gabriel Byrne writhing on a bed pretending to have sex with something that isn't there. Oh, was that an uncomfortable sex scene or what? Oh, I mean, not God. the most, but it's like, uh, that cartoon is, I uh. think it's raping Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> Yeah, and I love Gabriel. All right, so I have a quick question for yeah. you because this is leading in all sorts of places, and I'm sure we'll get there. But I have a quick question for you: um, How much blackmail is there? Oh, there's. I think there's a lot because <laughs> I can't think of any other reason these people. Oh, uh, to be fair, Brad Pitt wasn't Brad Pitt yet. Gabriel Byrne, I don't know, but he I was really not a, like him as an actor. He was not a big name at that point. He was. No? He had done okay. a lot. He had done a bunch of. You know, more indie films or, or arty films. People didn't know him. Kim hmm. Basinger was, I think, the only real name. Yeah. I mean, she had already done... I mean, at the very least, she had already done Batman by that point. So people really knew her. I don't know if she'd gotten to the point where she would uh, uh, had said that she was uh, not going to live in this country. That's, I guess that's pre-Bush, isn't it? Uh, I for, Yeah, I think that... Yeah, there was a, yeah this movie was pre-Bush. She okay. didn't, I think... Okay. She's, I don't know if she was married to Alec Baldwin at that point or not, but I don't remember yeah. if this was when she had bought a town either. <laughs> oh, she did. Yeah, she bought a town somewhere in the Southwest. Uh, people living it and everywhere, just like so one day it's like, "Hi, guess what? Kim Basinger owns the town." Huh? Didn't do anything with it. Just sort of like, okay, I had money. I wanted to buy something. I decided to buy a town. Was it Carmel, California? Uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> oh. Um. I just because I guess they all they ended up being bigger than they were in this, obviously. I think so, uh, except for Kim Basinger. But it's just like, how the hell did you get these? Did you say, oh, no, trust us, it's paramount, we wouldn't put you in anything bad? Uh, and, no, you don't need to see that script. Uh, uh these <laughs> aren't the script you want. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I don't know, uh, because I can't figure out how they got into this film. It's it's um. Yeah, yeah. I, which which brings me to another question: What did you think of the performances by the humans? I honestly think Brad Pitt, for a fairly poorly written part, did fine. Although his voice kind of wanders here and there. It's like at some points he's from the 40s and then some points he's not. Yeah, he, his speech um, patterns change in, you know, sometimes in mid-sentence. Yeah, Gabriel Byrne... Um, I, there's actually one scene I really liked with Brad Pitt and Gabriel Byrne, and I think it's the first scene that we see them together. Because at that point, I don't know much about Gabriel Byrne as a person, but I get the feeling that he's not somebody you kind of want to mess with. I don't know. <laughs> there he's, he, he's, yeah. he's got this presence. And there's that scene where he shows up and he's basically throwing Gabriel Byrne around and yelling at him. And I'm like, wow, you got some cojones. Cause <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, and then Kim Basinger shows up. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah. Um, well, it's a definition of acting. I have to. I mean, I got to tell you, I think she's the best thing in the movie. Oh my god, really? Yeah, not when she's the cartoon, but when well, she changes into the real girl, she does an outstanding job of acting like a cartoon. The way she moves, huh. the speech patterns don't change. The way she interacts with the world, I thought that was really good. Hmm. 
because I just found her kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Oh, the whole not- yeah, she's supposed to be nuts, and that comes across. I mean, here, here's the thing: the performances I would not gauge in this movie merely because you can tell the script, be it written, rewritten, or whatever, is really just not good when it comes to dialogue. No, the di- <laughs> among other things, yeah, the dialogue in this is awful. It really is bad. It's it doesn't make it doesn't sound human. Sometimes Jack does. And the thing, sorta. Kind of his performance. I like Gabriel Byrne's performance because, well, we get these gaping holes about his oh. character. We don't. There's so much we don't know about him. He's been in prison apparently for because he found his wife in bed with another guy and he killed the guy. Yeah, but we don't know if he actually did. Well, yeah, because he seems, like, really embarrassed about it when he gets cornered in a comic book store. Yeah, and I'm, I'm <laughs> now, sorry. I loved that scene, because I'm like, oh, oh, I worked in a comic book store at this time, and I know that comic, and that comic, and that comic, and that customer, and that comic. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Apart from the fact that, uh, I mean, no offense, buddy, but I've never seen a comic book clerk look who is that hot. Uh, I don't think that's fair. No? Um uh, no, I mean, we certainly, I mean, to put it one way, we always had women at the picnic. And I've been to comic stores where the women working there were, unfortunately, the object of the customer's desire. Okay, I may just um, not have been to as many stores as you have. Uh, yeah. The customers, I completely believed. <laughs> of course, when we walk in, who do they focus on? Oh, you're going to end up being the comic store guy from The Simpsons, aren't you? It's like <laughs> yeah. they go right for that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, are you embarrassed yet? Because you should be. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I liked the scene because it's like, oh, comic book store. Oh. Yeah, yeah, very believable. I was kind of surprised, at least on the outside of the of the building, there there were painted actual copy written. I think they were mostly DC characters. How did they get away with that? Well, it might be a real store. Oh, okay. Because uh, inside. Apart from, like you said, uh, what was the the Spain Rodriguez comic? I didn't see any comics I recognized as real comics. Did you? Oh, oh yeah, the oh, stack that uh, Gabriel Byrne has. The one on the top is the New Gods. Oh, okay, I oh, missed yeah, that. All right, there's stuff all over the place. I was sitting there picking out issues, and uh, mostly when they're looking at the racks, not behind the counter, because behind the counter it's all the expensive back issues, which just happen to be all Cool World comics, because uh-huh. you know, it was the biggest thing since you know yeah. melted cheese. Yeah, and, yeah. But, uh, man, so I got a question for you. How does this passing into the cool world thing actually work? Ah, well, you see. There, does that clear it up? Let's go to Bumpy, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) Over to you, Bumpy. Because I think only a pony could actually answer that question. (laughs) So, initially, I'm wondering, because I didn't, all I knew about this movie is that there was going to be an animated woman throwing herself at some real guy who I thought was Brad Pitt, but it turns out to be Gabriel Byrne. And when we see Frank get home, Frank gets home from World War II, and he's back home with his mother, with whom he has a very interesting relationship. Yeah, I gotta say, that one of the first things he does is he shows her, he takes covers her eyes and takes her outside and said, I got a big surprise, and it's, look, I have a motorcycle. What right. kind of idiot would ever think any mother would be happy to find out her son got a motorcycle? Well, then he takes her for a ride on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, No helmets. Okay. No, well, it's the 40s. Yeah, I know there were no helmet laws. They had invented helmets. Well, they didn't. They hadn't showed up in the mail yet. So. Ah, 
And but yeah, yeah. they're awfully close, and it's like so. That's how yeah. it is in that family. Yeah, the relationship there is kind of weird. Yeah, and then so, and then they have an accident. Some drunk crashes into them. She dies. Right. He's hold. She dies in his arms, or is you know he's holding her dead body. And suddenly, a rip in the air appears, and we're looking at this cartoon scientist, you know, complete with the white lab coat, bald head, and big mustache, which is a really jarring change of tone. Yeah. Well, so that's what I was thinking was it was trying to tell us that, because we see a little bit of PTSD from him, right? Because after yeah. right after the, the uh, accident... He is hearing bombs dropping, and he's calling out for his buddies, yeah. and you know he's having a flashback. Medic and, yeah, and I kind of wondered if the cool world wasn't going to end up being the trauma that he is imagining while oh. he's in the hospital, like he's in a coma or something. But that you know. would have been a much more interesting <laughs> idea, and would well, have made a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, like um, any. You did forget to you did forget to mention one thing though. What's uh, that? The reason there's an accident is that this man who is drunk is leaving my favorite. Daytime and nighttime club gambling. <laughs> That's right. That is the na- the that is the name of the, of the sign. Is gambling, gambling, <laughs> gambling. Try our well, try our gamble. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he he suddenly disappears yeah. into Cool World, and then we they don't literally know why. skip from 1945 to 1992. Yeah. Like no here's theirs and what Nothing, fours or whip. Yeah. And, and there's yeah. Brad Pitt who's still you know whatever twenty. Yeah, he hasn't aged. Know. Time, no. I, I don't know if time doesn't pass as fast or if you just don't age when you're there. I don't know either. And that's the thing. I, it's a big deal. Initially, it's a big deal for him to cross over. The scientist has invented this MacGuffin, which comes up later, that, yeah. op- that opened the doorway into the real world. Whereas Holly, who you know uh, Jack is drawing, just has to whisper in his mind, Hey, come here. And he goes all Rotos. He goes all, and suddenly he's in Cool World. Yeah, and apparently she's been feeding him images of the place that he's been using to make comics while he's in jail. How um, she's done that, we don't know. Uh, well, and we don't. Uh, and of course, he thinks he's created it, uh, which is fine. I don't care about that part because you know, but mm. actually, there's a lot of parts I don't care about. <laughs> um, but. Uh, we don't know where I get. Was this place? I don't know. <laughs> they don't explain it. They're not, They're not explaining, explaining the, the wigs. wigs. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so, so Frank has been. This is Brad Pitt's character. Frank yeah. has been in Cool World for forty-seven years, doing Frank things. I guess he's a, the cop enforcing the one law, which apparently only one character is ever trying to break, yeah. and she's only doing it forty-seven years after <laughs> he shows up. Uh, I, I hope he gets paid well for that, because, you know, whatever. Uh, they And then, <laughs> literally, as we're having any scenes, sure enough, there's Tom and Jerry hitting each other with frying pans. Yeah. It's, it really is like, it's like, okay, 30 seconds and chaos. It, every it, every it, moment <laughs> in Cool World, it is constant violence, noise. I mean, I know it's supposed to give the idea of frenetic energy, of constant movement, but it's really... I'm sitting there going, why do any of these people... I, I can understand why they want to leave. This place is horrible. And Jack thinks it's great, for, but we don't know why. But he thinks it's of wonderful. Course, if you're a cartoon, I mean, that's... What else would you do, right? So I I think that if this if we had seen Ralph Bakshi do Ralph Bakshi in this, there would have been a lot more than just shooting. Yeah, on. yeah. Uh, I think there would have been... I um, think the tunes would have... The tech- 
The technical term is uh, bonking. Yeah, yeah but a lot more sex, and probably the violence would have had a lot more consequence. Whereas here, right. no, nothing dies. It all just gets, you know, knocked around or flattened and gets back up again. Right. Although, here's one of the things that I really didn't understand. Maybe you can explain this to me, Max. Um, so we have Toon World, or I'm sorry, we cool. have Doodle yeah. World, because Toon's been taken. <laughs> um, and we have this either one or two noids, I real people, uh, in Toon World. I'm sorry, Doodle World. Why do we have a real car? Ah. So anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the implication uh, I got is when he, the, the the human, the Noid, gets in the car, it takes on the aspect of a real car, and when he gets out, it becomes a, a tune car again. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know why, because the, the, it, I think but... the implication is he couldn't actually sit in a cartoon car. Uh, yeah, okay. That's, that's the closest that's... I got, despite the fact we've, so we've seen <laughs> that he can be supported by a cartoon rope. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I gotta say, his sidekick nails the spider is one yeah. of the most both annoying and useless cartoon sidekicks I've seen in a long time. He sure doesn't do he much. Is, I mean, he he interrupts. Yeah, things. <laughs> he basically it's his superpower. Yep. I actually liked his visual design. I thought he was a neat looking character. He wasn't yeah. new. I mean, we've seen that kind of spider since the thirties yeah, in cartoons. Okay. But, but yeah, you know, uh, and we had. Um, uh, what's his name doing the voice? I can't, was, uh, Charlie I Adler? Charlie something? Charlie yeah. Adler, yep. That we had, uh, I didn't recognize him doing it, but Maurice LaMarche, ah, yeah. probably best known to people as Bait Brain of Pinky and the Brain, did like three or four characters, yep. and I didn't know, A, that they were all done with the same person, and B, that it was Maurice LaMarche. Yeah, I think he's a, so, at least a one, he's Professor Whiskers, or Doc Whiskers, excuse I'm, me. Yeah, and I think by now... I'd have to look it up, but I think we have Animaniacs by now. So he's doing work. Um, and I, I, Maurice Lamarche, look him up on YouTube, especially if you can uh, find the uh, voice actors reading the Star Wars oh, script. Yeah, oh, my God. That's brilliant. He, his two best are, of course, is Orson Welles and his Vincent Price is flawless, <laughs> but um, just, just beautiful work. Yep. Uh, so the tuniness. Uh, it's so weird because I think this there's actually potential in here. But it's really the human parts that kind of not only slow everything down, but don't make any sense, yeah. believe it or not. I totally understand the cartoon cat and mouse with the anvil and the hammer and the gun and the hatchet. I get that. But we don't, like you said, why do they want to go to the real world? Okay, Holly wants to smell things. Okay, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And she gets to the real world. And of course, being the only female character in the movie that has any real presence, um, they treat her you know, with respect, um, they they uphold women's ideals, and no, <laughs> no, they not. treat her like a total horrible. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, they treat her like, um, like treat her like a gorgeous woman in a tight dress. And the thing is, she is not the only female character. She no, with any real presence. Yeah, though. there are female characters that are just sort of thrown in. We don't know who they are, why they're there. Like a, a Gabriel, the Gabriel Jack Deep's whatever his name is. He has, he has neighbors. These two women. I'm, they have the same last name. I'm not sure if they're mother and daughter, if they're sisters. Yeah, it's my, they do say at one point it's mother okay. and daughter. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. they apparently are friendly with him, but we don't know, and they keep showing up, and we don't know why. There's no... <laughs> they have no depth, no presence. They might as well not be there. I think the only reason they're there is to provide him with a car. 
and an excuse, um, whatever uh, I guess, yes. or maybe so you can say, "Look, see, there's women in the movie." Okay, yeah, and uh, you know, what is Holly? The first thing she wants to do, she's decided that if she's in the real world, she'll have power, and of course, she's discovering she doesn't really, or any because power has to be, you know, worked for. It has to be collected. Oh, and by the way, at this point, uh, Holly has turned into Kim Basinger. Yes, for she, real. Is, she is actually so. yeah, Kim Basinger, and a character whose name should have been Miss. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But again, she does a great job, I think, of behaving like a cartoon. The first thing she wants to do, and this is where they just start pulling things out of the air. Apparently, there is a legend of a character, Vegas Vinny, a two who crossed over and became a huge tycoon. As we, we can guess and find out, that was, in fact, Professor Whiskers, because he was trying to get over there. Who didn't, in fact, become a big tycoon. He didn't, and for whatever reason, he remained a doodle. Which right. we don't have an explanation for that, but no. he created something called called the MacGuffin. I'm sorry, he created something <laughs> called the Spike of Power. That's how yeah, yeah which he added some reason decided to mount on the top of the casino. Hey, did you notice which which casino it was? No, I'm pretty sure it's Biff Tannen. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> like it's like hey, that building looks awfully familiar. Yeah, I bet I bet you're right. Oh, did you at one point uh, Holly goes into the casino? And is, a, for some reason, decides she wants to get up on stage and sing. Because in, in Cool World, she <laughs> she does, she's sort of an entertainer. She has a club. Well, you're being very kind. That's not actually what she decided to do. What she wanted to do was have sex with every man uh, and, yeah. and, and or smell them. True. But yeah, she gets up on stage. No, I didn't recognize him because I didn't know this person existed. Oh, yeah. And I think that this was a, a good thing. Yeah, that was, she gets up and starts doing a duet with Frank Sinatra. Junior. Junior. <laughs> Yep, this is a movie of juniors here, and there's a reason yeah. most people have forgotten that uh, little Frankie existed, because he's not a bad person, I don't think, and he's not, he can sing on key. Uh, yeah, he looks so much like his dad. Oh, oh wait, no, he No, doesn't. he looks nothing at all like his dad. <laughs> I wanted him to get together with Desi Arnaz Jr., because that, that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There did used to be juniors. Uh, there were. Although he didn't call himself junior, there was uh, Chris Lemon. <laughs> oh, the eight of Chris Lemons. Yeah. Yeah. We saw him in like one or two films and uh, he's he's intense, uh, <laughs> I guess. But okay. Yeah. The the, the progeny of, of famous actors, which we all know how well that usually We can tell that talent doesn't always work genetically. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah. So, so yeah. She gets up on stage. She gets up and stage. She sings. She's actually not bad, but it doesn't do anything. She gets tossed out of the casino because she's acting crazy. Then yeah. she decides that if she gets the the spike of power, <laughs> she can have whatever she wants. With an expression that tells the audience, I suddenly realize that if I don't end the movie soon, it's <laughs> never going to end. Yeah. It's like oh, we're deep into Act Three, and I've got no closing thing. Oh, Max, you used the word deep. How yeah, nice I you. know, I know. So, yeah, so yes, then to... there is this ridiculous chase scene where she starts, both she and Gabriel Byrne begin flickering between being real and being t- doodles. Yeah, but the doodle Be- she's flickering into, it doesn't look anything like she used yeah, to. Yeah, it looks kind of like a version of Orphan Annie crossed with Bozo. Yeah. <laughs> Little Orphan Bozo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she won't stop singing. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and Brad Pitt goes after her, and in this chase, she pushes him off the building, and he dies. Well, wait, you missed the best part. 
he gets her I cornered. Missed the she's what? climbing up the the best part because oh, yeah. she's he's got her cornered. She's climbing up King Kong style, and he's holding a gun on her, a real gun, and he's like, "You better not." And she's like, "Or what?" Well, you better yeah, not. Yeah, he doesn't shoot her. He never. We never <laughs> no. get the sense that he's going to. And he even says to Gabriel Byrne, "I'm not going to hurt her." Yeah. I'm thinking, why not? She's broken. And- the primal law of the world you're defending and obviously killing her would solve it. And Ugh. and then she's like, oh, oh, I'm scared. Help me. And in a scene that surprises nobody, he's like, oh, okay. Gets up on the railing just in time for her to push him off. Yeah, uh, but she does yeah. so as a tune because when she's a tune, she has tune super strength. Or something <sighs> so I don't know. He allegedly dies. They go to the... She climbs to the top... She pulls Excalibur out. Gabriel Byrne has, has come to his senses and is trying to stop her, but doesn't get there in time. And, and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so she pulls the spike out of the hole uh, or whatever, yeah. which is not at all suggestive, but whatever. And suddenly, Toon World starts leaking into real world. Yeah, basically, uh, in, a, in the one of the most obvious Ghostbuster final scene ripoffs, yeah. just this surge of evil demonic tunes come pouring out. But it has another effect. It turns Gabriel Byrne into a doodle. <laughs> not just a doodle, by the way. Into a superhero. Who, yeah. Tell me, did th- did you think about this when I saw him the first time? When I saw this, I saw this film when it came out. Oops. I thought, it's Captain Everything from Normal Man. Oh, no, I did not. I just thought this time, I haven't, that's too long ago. I was wondering, there's an old character called Captain Nice, and I wonder if he looked oh, like Captain Nice. I don't know. Um, he was just meant to be, you know... You know what is it? Tall and true eyes of blue. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, square and true eyes of blue. Square yeah. and true. He was supposed to be, you know, a really absurd version of Superman because they were talking yeah. in this ridiculous. Mo- I think that was also Maurice Lamarche, by the way. He it, had voice. It was. And, I must do the right thing, but but yet he's in love with Holly, and I guess Honey Poo. Yeah. And eventually, he does the right thing, slams the spike into into the back of the hole. Again, just as the budget runs out. <laughs> just as the budget runs out. He and Holly disappear. Everything's back to normal. Uh, although it turns out he and Holly are now, in effect, trapped together in a comic book. I don't know how that works. Because you see them actually moving around inside panels. Which is, well, it's he's, like that AHA video. Yeah. Yeah, very, that's very much what it is. And he's delighted. And she is, of course, furious. And he's having a great time with it. I gotta say, that was the one part of the movie I thought was fun, was him. Uh, well, it's sort of like, at one point, Gabriel Burns had had enough and said, I'm leaving, yeah. you can finish this without with me, a and they did. <laughs> and then, so they, uh, the spider brings Brad Pitt's body back to, to Cool World, and I gotta say, in a remarkably um, tactless manner, just drapes it on Lonnie's doorstep. It's like, hi, Lonnie, your boyfriend's dead. And then... They come up with a rule that God! forgot to tell us. (laughs) This was, to me, the biggest middle finger to the audience. (laughs) Hey, are you still here? (laughs) Yeah, I I just got to figure that this was Bakshi saying, I've had it. I've had it with you people. Because she says, she asks, when Polly killed him, was she annoyed or a doodle? And he says she was a doodle. says, oh, that's okay then, because if annoyed is killed by a doodle, he becomes a doodle. Which we have never heard before. This is no. just, this is, 
I can't even say deus ex machina. This is crap <laughs> ex machina. And uh, he comes back to life as a really weird animated version, kind of in a zoot suit. And, well, his suit was kind of zootish anyway. Well, yeah, it was from the 40s. But he, talking like Frank Sinatra. Sort of. Yeah, so that... Junior. Yeah, Frank Sinatra <laughs> Jr. And then they, they go in, a, a, assumedly, to have 50 years worth of sex. <laughs> Well, to uh, these sex, yeah. I mean, you know, literally tab A into slot B. Yeah, which is actually kind of sad because if you believe what Holly said, that sex isn't satisfying for doodles. Yeah. If that's true. Meanwhile, meanwhile, of course, you know, if you want to deal with the idea that, you know, Frank had this trauma of, you know, being hurt in a car accident and seeing his mother die, he's basically decided never to deal with it. Yeah, because- that's actually what he says. It's why he stays in Cool World. They also imply he could go back to the real world but all he says is there's like a uh, there's 900 ways for you to get hurt it's pain you can die you get old he's yeah. hiding and they never yeah. explore that no and that's a really interest that would make the character really interesting and they do nothing with it they wouldn't even have to do that much it's all sight gags and animation homages yeah which is a polite way of saying rip off. Oh, rip offs. I didn't say no, it. say it. Rip offs. <laughs> rip offs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's um, yeah. There's no <sighs> rules really, kinda until you need them, and then there's rules. Yeah. Um, it's just bad storytelling, is what it is. So um, I think I, I. Well, what's that, Bumpy? <laughs> oh, Bumpy says he thinks it's time that we wrap up. <laughs> well, I say go to hell, Bumpy. But yeah, let's wrap up. <laughs> The Roundup. So, Max. Yeah. You said you saw this when it came out. I did. Why? <laughs> because it looked like it could be fun. I was. I liked Ralph Bakshi. I was a big fan of Wizards. I, I even, well, I kind of liked his Lord of the Rings. I wasn't crazy about it. But it was also, it was animated and live live action. I thought, hey, this is cool. Maybe it's an interesting, a different take on the concept from Roger Rabbit, which I loved. And I was. Well, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a different take. It's one without the talent. Oh. Yeah, so and what? again, it's such a waste. You have three very good act well, two very good actors in Kim Basinger, who who is a dec- well, who is a competent actor. And again, okay. I think uh, given what they have to do, Kim does the best job in the movie. I think her performance is the most impressive. But the movie is bad. It does it is one massive series of plot holes which you shouldn't have to care about in something like this, but you do, because they keep trying to explain things. If, <laughs> yeah. if they didn't bother, we wouldn't care. But they are trying to create a sense of internal consistency. They're trying to create, they're trying to world build, and they are doing it in this slapdash, sloppy way, and it's just annoying. And I am sorry, I didn't like the way it looked. I know you did. I Thus, thought it looked ugly and vulgar and unpleasant, and just a constant cartoon violence. And maybe that's what he was. Maybe he was making a point about that. It gets dull. It's repetitive. That's for it's sure. It's very repetitive. There were one or two characters. I liked the little cartoon bunny. 
you know, who goes <laughs> to... The one that's, that's playing dice? That plays dice and gets cheated and goes to the police and is actually saying, oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. <laughs> and it, I want... Yes, I didn't win. I didn't win. I want justice. I want you to rip their faces off. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that was kind of cute. It's like, all right. And then, of course, that nothing happens with that. And character disappears and we're dealt, left with characters who are much less interesting. Two-dimensional, in a way? <laughs> I think I, I no. I'd go with about one point four dimensional. Mm. Don't oh. stand sideways; you'll never see him. Yeah, pretty much. What about you? What do you think? I it, it's a mixed bag of poo. Uh, <laughs> take your pick. Uh, on one hand, I do like Bakshi's visuals. I do like, especially the backgrounds. I really liked uh, his characters are very reminiscent of '30s rubber hose stuff, but they're also his own thing. It's a mixture of them. Um, I think that you could have made this into something really interesting. My feeling is that if you had the whole beginning of the film where it's the 1940s and he's back from the war, it's fine. Um, they're actually like the fact that they have a car crash. I'm like, wow, this is expensive. How did they do that? And then later on, they have a little bit of a car chase in downtown Las Vegas. It's like, wow, okay, that's not cheap. Um, if I think they, if they had, instead of it as mother being his mother, if it had been his his betrothed or his wife or his fiance, whatever, and they got into that accident and he'd gone into the trauma that created this cool world, it could have been a story about his not dealing, not facing with his trauma, having created this new reality for him to live in until finally, you know, the the Holly character, instead of being this horribly misogynistic, sexist, nasty I have to have sex with everything character could actually have been a character trying to lure him back into the real world. In other words, to face his pain and to come out of the coma or something like that. I think that could have been actually kind of interesting. Um, Even if you included some of the crazy crap going on in the background. In fact, you could even show that, you know, make it seem like, oh, he's gone to a better place until you realize, no, it's not a better place. He's just denying what he doesn't want to face. And I think it could have been interesting. And that idea might even have been in there somewhere. I don't know. Um, But there's obviously, you can tell that this thing was rewritten and rewritten. You could tell how there were tons of hands on it. Um, The fact that Bakshi found out that no one was listening to him, I think is pretty apparent. And that's why we got so much of that cartoon violence. Cause it's the only thing he could actually control. It's like, Hey, have some fun. And apparently a lot of the animators in that went on to have, careers in disney and pixar and uh, dreamworks and all that stuff so uh, one of them was uh, ended up uh, being the director of boss baby most recently was his ah uh, uh, there's something to be proud of eh, you know what he's in the big time and he's doing animation good for him i didn't see the movie did you I, see it i did not i've just seen scenes from it that made me want to avoid it forever well, it had a baby talking, which is enough for me to say, n- no. Oh, I mean, I have to say Alec Baldwin's voice worked really well in that character, but... Ah, see, uh, a this, connection to this week's movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I if do, you haven't seen Cool World, don't... Bother. I do have to disagree with you on one point, and that's about the character of Holly. Yes, she is clearly there as eye candy, but she's also oddly one of the more powerful characters. She is the only one who is trying to change her life. She wants something better. I mean, Jack just goes right back into whatever he was doing. He has no sense of agency. And as it turns out, he's not a genius. He's just a funnel. He's a conduit. Uh, Frank is hiding from the real world and shows no interest in going back to it. 
is just stuck in this in a job that is utterly pointless. Trying to police the uh, he's trying to be a policeman in hell. What's the point? Holly sees what she wants, and she is working like hell to get it, and she gets it. It turns out to be wrong, but she's the only character with real agency. I I'll take it a step further and say she's the only character who's doing anything. <laughs> that being said. Because she's the only real woman presence in the film, and she's played entirely for sexual titillation, I have a huge problem with it. Especially when she turns into Kim Basinger, and the costumes are more revealing than when she was animated. Um, I actually just felt bad for her. It's like, wow, like, how did you face going to the set having to do this? Because it's just... I don't know. I found it unpleasant. Now, what she's trying to do, the fact that she's trying to do something, anything, I guess is cool. But the way she's doing it, the way she's portrayed, just felt like, you know, old white men's fantasies made into 2D films. So. Okay, but, I can see that. But so Thankfully, yeah. we have something much better to look forward to next week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell, oh, yeah. Tell us what masterpiece... We're going to see next week there. So, hey, if you liked Cool World, you're going to love <laughs> Space Jam. Because I know... Actually, I've never seen Space Jam. So, it's got you know some of our favorite Warner Brothers characters in it. It has Michael Jordan in it. Um, Bill so Murray. Basketball. Bill, Will Mur- Bill Murray's in it. Wait, yeah, there's Bill basketball Murray. in space or something. Uh, I guess there's jam. I, I don't see the connection between basketball and jam. Yep, but yep. apparently that's a, a thing. Uh, and it is, of course... Um, 2D animation and live action, which is what we're doing here in Drawn, Drawn Apart. Yes, yes it is. Uh, what's that, Bumpy? Uh, oh, Bumpy is looking forward to it. Uh, yes, he is. Well, until next week, I hope you join me all in saying, Go to hell, Bumpy! Max Mike Movies is a co-production of the Voice of Max, and The Movie Wrench. Did you really forget? Oh. <laughs> Do you want to start over? Let's start over. <laughs>